0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Morning. If you've got your Bibles there, please go ahead and open them up to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and we're stepping out of our series in James just for this week uh, so that we can revisit a really important, essential element of the discipleship model in our church and to address a very important topic and a great need in our day and something we wanna be very intentional about. So we'll be back in James next week. So if you've been here for a while, then this should look very familiar to you. But if you are new to our church, then let me introduce you to the discipleship model of Hope Bible Church. Here it is up on the screen, it's called the 5G life. So, so a Christ follower, we believe, Uh, does these three things. They abide, connect, and share. And they do these things uh, through God time, gather time, group time, give time, and go time. So those are the five Gs right there. So the first thing a Christ follower does is they abide, and they do that through God time. So being intentional about about being in the Word, spending time with the Lord in His Word, and then being intentional about spending time with the Lord in prayer as well. That's what abiding is all about. This is absolutely essential. Everything else flows from our, our abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing is the Christ follower connects through gather time and group time. So gather time, that's what we're doing right now. We are gathering together to worship the Lord and to sit under the preaching of his word. And then, and then group time as well is where we meet with a smaller group throughout the week for fellowship and discipleship and accountability. And then a Christ follower also shares through give time and go time. So give time is where we are being intentional about using our giftedness to bless the body of Christ and then also using our resources to, to further his kingdom. And then go time is all about the good news, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ uh, both, both around the world and then also here locally. So that's the 5G life. That's our discipleship model. And where we're going to be focusing on today is right here, abiding, abiding, and, and God time. And if I were to ask you how important do you think God time is, I'm sure that most of us here would say, well, it's really important. God time is really important, and yet... A recent study put out by Lifeway found this, that only one-third of Christians are reading their Bible every day. One-third. One-third of Christians. And when it comes to spending time alone with God, so that could be in prayer, that could be in in the Word, spending time alone with God, only 48% of Christian women say that they are spending time alone with God every day, and only 38% of Christian men. 38% 38% of Christian men reporting that they spend time alone with God every day. So why is that the case? Why is it the case that so many Christians are not spending time with the Lord every day? Well, here's the number one reason that I hear as I, as I meet with people. It's, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Like, I want to be in the Word, but but man, I'm just like, there's so much going on, and I want to be in prayer. I want to spend time in prayer, but, but life just feels like chaos, and I get it. I get it. We are all very busy. But when it comes to spending time with the Lord, is it really a matter of being too busy? Like, is that really the issue here? Well, let's dive a little bit deeper into that, and let me ask you, what are the things that you do pretty much every single day? What are the things that you prioritize? Maybe it's some of these up on the screen. Maybe I've, I've got to go to work or I've got to go to school or maybe exercise is a, a big part of your life or socializing with other people. Maybe it's me time, you know, like I just need time to be alone and, and kind of decompress or, or maybe it's watching sports, especially this time of year, right? Right? Or 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 driving other people to activities, or maybe maybe looking at Instagram, or, or watching videos on YouTube, or scrolling through Facebook, or maybe playing video games, or or, or maybe sleep. We, we have to do that. Like sleep is important, right? Or 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 maybe maybe taking care of other people is a big part of your life, or cooking or eating. That's another really important one. Okay, we need to be doing that, uh, or or television. Netflix and Disney and Prime and and answering emails and cleaning the house and maybe scrolling through TikTok and spending time on that hobby that you enjoy so much or maybe looking through Kijiji for that thing you, there's so many ways that we spend time. And there are a lot of things that we can prioritize. But God has one thing that he wants us to prioritize above all other things. Here it is up on the screen, abiding, abiding, abiding. If you are here, you are saved in Jesus Christ. This is the highest priority for you and me every single day. It's abiding. This is the priority that outweighs all other priorities. It's abiding. It's spending time with God, seeking him, and listening to him as he speaks to us through his word and and speaking to him through prayer and delighting in him and worshiping him and loving him, this is the top priority, the very top. It's abiding. It's abiding. So ask yourself, have I been prioritizing abiding in my life the way I ought to? Have I been prioritizing abiding The way that God calls me to. Well, that leads us into our first point, which is this simply put, I must prioritize abiding. I must prioritize abiding. Have a look now at John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus says this to his disciples He says, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. So in John chapter 15, Jesus is using such a powerful illustration here to help his disciples understand what it means to be in relationship with him, and he uses this illustration that all of the disciples would have been very familiar with. He's talking about vines and branches, and there's vines and branches literally everywhere, so he uses this as an illustration. He says, "'I'm the vine, you are the branches.'" So he's saying this up on the screen. He's saying, he's saying this is me right here, right here. And, and, and this is you. He's like, Peter, that's you. John, that's you. I'm the vine. You are the branches. And if you are here and you know the Lord Jesus Christ, then you also are a branch in the vine. The moment that you recognize that you were a sinner desperately in need of a savior, and you placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, in that moment, you became a branch in the vine because God himself connected you spiritually to Jesus Christ. Amen? So what do we do then if we are a branch in the vine? Well, Jesus tells us. Have a look again at verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever, notice, abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So now Jesus is describing the relationship between the vine and the branches, and he calls that relationship abiding, abiding. So what is abiding? Well, abiding means this, it means to remain in or to stay in, or to dwell in something. That's what abiding means. And so for the Christian, practically speaking, abiding means this up on the screen. It means pursuing an intimate, dependent, life-giving, soul-satisfying, worshipful relationship with Jesus Christ. Practically speaking, that's what abiding is. Pursuing an intimate, dependent, life-giving, soul-satisfying, worshipful relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what abiding is. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, because you are a branch in the vine, this is the most important thing to do. Abide. Above all other things, do this. Prioritize Your relationship with me, he says. That's the priority. And because this is so incredibly important, ask yourself. Over the last month, let's just deal with the last month. Over the last month, how much effort have I put into abiding up on the screen? How much effort have I put into abiding? Would I say, if I'm honest, like none? Or, or maybe some effort, I put a little bit of effort, or, or would you say you put a lot of effort into abiding? Because this is the main thing. We must prioritize this. We must prioritize abiding, which also involves this. It involves Jesus abiding in us. Have a look again at verse five. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and notice, I in him, I in him, and these three words, I in him, are so important because there are two sides to abiding. First, we need to be abiding in Jesus by pursuing relationship with him, but then also we need Jesus to be abiding in us. We need Jesus to be abiding in us, and so here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, see to it, see to it that I fully abide in you. See to that. Make sure, see to it, that I fully abide in you. And so what does that mean? What does it mean to have Jesus abiding fully in us? Well, think about what it would mean for the vine to be abiding in the branch. What would it mean for the vine to abide in the branch? Well, it would mean that nutrients from the vine are flowing freely into the branch And there's nothing clogging up that flow or blocking it or getting in the way of it. So in the same way, to have Jesus fully abiding in us means that power from Jesus is flowing freely to us and there's nothing clogging up that flow or blocking it or getting in the way of it. So here's the question. What is it that clogs up the flow of power from Jesus to us? What is it? It's sin. It's sin. It's sin. And when those who are truly abiding in Jesus see patterns of sin in their lives, they hate it. That's what the Spirit does in us. We hate that pattern, and we want to see it gone. It's kind of like this. Is there anybody here today, and you live with people who have really long hair, and it's your job to clean out the drains in the house? Anyone? Anyone relate to that? Anyone? Okay, 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 can you say nasty? Nasty, that is a nasty job because you gotta get in that drain and you're pulling that thing out and it's like, oh, this is so nasty, right? But it's so necessary. It's so necessary because hair clogs everything up. Now, spiritually speaking, that's exactly what sin does. It clogs the flow of power from the vine to the branch. It clogs the flow of power from Jesus to us. It quenches the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives like pouring water upon a fire. So that begs the question, are there patterns of sin in our lives right now that are getting in the way of us truly experiencing the power of God? Are there patterns of sin in our lives right now that are getting in the way of us truly experiencing the power of God? Let's ask ourselves are any of these patterns in my life? Patterns of anger, patterns of corrupt speech, using words to tear other people down, sexual immorality. Patterns of envy and jealousy, and I just, I just want what other people have. Patterns of gossip and slander. Dragging other people's name through the mud. Drunkenness. Patterns of self-righteousness, where I just think I'm better than other people. Gluttony. Spiritual apathy. Entitlement. I deserve better than this. Patterns of lying and deception. Patterns of selfishness, where it's just all about me. Patterns of unthankfulness. I'm just not, I'm just not, I don't think much about how God has blessed me so much. Unforgiveness. Just carrying around that duffel bag of, of, this, of all the ways people have wronged me, and keeps holding on to that, and refusing to forgive. Patterns of materialism or idolatry. Loving the things of the world more than God. Stealing and theft, patterns of greed, just more, more, more. Patterns of complaining. First John 3, 6 says that no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. Now that doesn't mean sinless perfection. We all sin every day, right? We all sin every single day. But what that does mean is that when we see patterns of sin in our lives, we hate it. We hate it and we we want it purged from our lives. So if we see any of these patterns getting in the way of us experiencing the power of God in our lives, what should we do? Well, here's what we need to do. Here's what we must do we must bring it into the light, we must confess it to God up on the screen. Because first John one night, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins, and notice, cleanse us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So again, is there anything in our lives that we need to confess to God today? Because this is the first step in repentance. Confession is the first step in turning away from that sin and purging it from our lives that we might experience more of the power of God because this is what we also desperately need. You and I need to, to have Jesus fully abiding in us. We need his power flowing to us because when it is, here's what happens. Look back at verse 5. Verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, notice, he it is that bears much fruit. So here's what Jesus is saying up on the screen. He's saying that if we will abide in him, if we will prioritize our relationship with him, and if he is abiding in us and his power is flowing freely to us, then the inevitable result will be much Fruit, much fruit, not some fruit, much fruit in our lives. And here's what that fruit looks like up on the screen. It looks like the fruit of the Spirit, beginning with this, love. And love here just isn't like I have feelings for someone. Love is like, it's self-sacrificial love. It's a love that even cares for and and, and gives to enemies. Supernatural love that comes from God, joy, joy. Joy, supernatural joy that fills our hearts, that's not rooted in our circumstances, but it's joy in Him, joy in His presence. It's peace, supernatural peace that, again, is not determined by how well things are going in our circumstances. It's, it's peace from God that, that guards our hearts because we are trusting in Him and trusting in His promises supernatural peace, so good, and all of this fruit, patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, what more could we want than to have this fruit in our lives? What more could we want than this? It's so good, so powerful. So let's ask ourselves, do I see it? Do I see that fruit in my life? not perfect fruit, not perfect fruit, but genuine fruit. Am I seeing that fruit in my life? Supernatural love, joy, peace. Do I see that in my life? Would the people closest to me say that they see this in my life? Because the only way that you and I can bear this kind of fruit is by abiding in Jesus and Jesus abiding in us. That's it, period. We cannot manufacture it ourselves, amen? It's impossible. Look again back at verse five. Jesus continues, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Notice this, for apart from me, you can do nothing. 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 Now, when Jesus says that apart from him, we can do nothing, he's not talking about things like brushing your teeth or driving a car or doing math, okay? He's talking about bearing fruit. He's saying that if someone's lifestyle is that they're not abiding in Jesus and Jesus is not abiding in them, then there's no way that that person will bear any spiritual fruit. And if that lifestyle of not abiding... Goes on for months and years and decades, then there's a far worse problem going on. Have a look now at verse 6. Jesus says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. So Jesus is speaking here of someone who is not truly in the vine because they've never truly turned to Jesus Christ as a lost sinner in desperate need of a savior. They've never truly believed that Jesus' suffering on the cross was for them personally, and that it was enough to make complete payment for all of their sins for their whole life. Therefore, they have never truly embraced this free gift of forgiveness, By faith. That person, Jesus says, will be like a branch that is gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. In other words, that person will face judgment because they have never truly embraced this free gift of salvation that is being offered to them. And maybe you're here right now and you're like, that's me. That's me. And maybe you've even been around church for a long time, or you've been around circles of, of religion for a long time, but you've never had relationship. You've never truly turned to Jesus Christ in, in faith and, and in repentance and believed that what he did on that cross was for you and that it was enough to pay for all of your sins. If that's you, then today, today, you can do just that. Today you can turn to Jesus Christ and and you can ask him to save you. You can can recognize that what he did on that cross was for you and that it was enough for complete forgiveness. By faith you can reach out and embrace that free gift today and you too can become a branch in the vine because this is what Jesus is calling us to. He's calling us to prioritize abiding. Abiding. Abiding, We must prioritize abiding. So here's a question. What does that actually look like? How do we actually do that? How do we abide? Well, that leads to point number two, which is this. I must prioritize God time. I must prioritize God time. Have a look now at verse seven. Notice what Jesus says. He says, verse seven, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. So the first thing Jesus is saying in verse seven is that an essential part of abiding is having his words in us. An essential part of abiding is having the word of God in here, in our our hearts. And because this is so incredibly important, again, let's take a moment to ask ourselves right now, over the last month, what does that look like in my life? Over the last month, how much effort have I put into studying the Word of God up on the screen? If I'm honest, would I say that it's really been like hardly any effort? Would I say it's been some, some effort? Or have I put a lot of effort into studying God's Word? Many, many Christians say that they aren't reading the Bible because they are just too busy. But consider it. If I'm saying that I'm too busy to open up God's word, then really what I'm saying on some level is this, that I'm too busy to abide. I'm saying, I'm saying on some level I'm too busy to prioritize my relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm saying I'm too busy to do the very thing that God says he's going to use in my life to produce fruit, which is to spend time with him and to open up his word. So again... We are busy people. I totally get that. And some of us right now are in a season of life where we are busier than we have ever been before. That's just true. However, we also can't get away from this truth right here in God's word that it is clearly God's will that you and I abide. Clearly. And listen, God does not call us to abide for no reason. God does not call us to abide because he's looking to give us some more things to do. He calls us to abide because he loves us. He calls us to abide because he wants to bless us with his presence and with his wisdom and with his fruit in our lives. And therefore, he calls us to prioritize spending time with him over other things, over other things, such as things like this up on the screen. God is calling us to prioritize time in his word over social media and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. He's calling us to prioritize spending time with him in his word over television, Netflix, Prime, Disney, cable. He's calling us to prioritize spending time with him over watching playoff hockey. He's calling us to prioritize spending time with him over playing video games. And overspending time in that hobby that that we enjoy so much. And he calls us to do this because he loves us. And he wants to spend time with us. And if you and I are going to do this, if if we are going to prioritize spending time with God, then it's definitely going to require this. It's going to require a plan. It's going to require a plan. Benjamin Franklin once said this about planning. He said, if you fail to plan, then you plan to... There's a lot of truth to that. If we don't don't plan, then it's not typically going to happen. And so if we are going to plan to spend time with God in his word, then we need at least two parts to this plan, okay? Here are the two parts we need. We need a place that we're going to go to to spend time with God, and then we also need a time of day that we're going to do it. We need these two things. These two things are essential in our plan. We need a place that we're going to go where we can be alone with God, and then we also need a time of day that we're going to do it where we can be alone with God and open up his word. So my plan is kitchen table 7 a.m. That's my plan. When our kids were little, it was kitchen table 5 a.m., right? Now that they're a little bit older, it's kitchen table 7 a.m. And moment of transparency. Sometimes I don't follow the plan. Sometimes I miss that time with the Lord. Now, that doesn't happen very often because I tend to completely fall apart when that happens. But but it does happen from time to time. And when it happens, here's what God does. He calls me back. He doesn't condemn me. He doesn't turn his back on me. He calls me back because he loves me and he wants to spend time with me and he wants to speak to me through his words so that I can be blessed and maybe right now, maybe today, God is calling you back because he loves you, and because he wants to spend time with you and speak to you personally through his word so that you can be blessed. So let me ask you, do you have a plan? Do you have a plan that involves going to a certain place at a certain time so that you can be alone with the Lord to open up his word? Because if the answer is no, then I have good news. We can make one right now. Ready? Here we go. What place would work best for you? What place would work best for you where you can go to be alone with the Lord? Like, what's, what's your place? And what time would work best for you? For a lot of us, that's going to be in the morning. For some of us, that's going to be at night. But what place would work best for you? What time would work best for you so that you can be alone with the Lord and open up his word? Because God loves you. He loves you. And he wants to speak to you personally through his word. He wants to spend time with you so that you might be blessed. So we need a plan that involves a place and a time. But we also need a third part of the plan, which is this, a destination. We need a destination, and that doesn't mean like a vacation destination where we can only go to read our Bibles if we go to Hawaii or something like that. Not a vacation destination, but a destination in God's word so that when we go to our place at that time, we, we know where we're going, and it's not kind of like, okay, here, here that we would have a, a destination, and, and praise God, there are lots of great destinations that we can go to, and each one is better than Hawaii, I promise, really. Here are some destinations up on the screen, so uh, we could go to the Old Testament. So, so maybe, our, maybe our destination is going to be the Old Testament. We're going to read through from Genesis to Malachi. Not all at once, but over a long period of time. Okay, maybe that's our destination, or maybe our destination is one specific book in the Old Testament. Maybe I'm going to read through Exodus, Or maybe our destination is the New Testament. I'm going to read from Matthew through to Revelation. Or maybe it's going to be one specific book in the New Testament. Maybe I'm going to read through the Gospel of John. Or maybe some kind of combination of of this. Or maybe what would work best is a formal reading plan. Where someone has already worked all of this out. And it's like, on this day, read this. On this day, read this. On this day, read this. And if you're like, yeah, that. That would be really helpful for me. Then, then, then please, when you leave the service today, right at the Connections desk, there's going to be a table that's filled with different Bible reading plans. Go and check it out. Check it out and pick one that would work best for you and take that home with you and please go ahead and use that. So we need a plan with a place, a time, and a destination. But let me ask you, do you ever, you ever sit down to read the Bible and you open it up and you start to read it and you're like, yeah, it's I'm just not getting anything out of this. Has it ever happened to you? Just, is it just me? Okay, like church is a safe place. We can be honest here, right? Okay, okay. Like that, that, happens, that happens sometimes, right? And again, moment of transparency. There have been times when I've read the Bible where if you came up to me two hours later and said, hey, what did you read today? I'm like, uh, I don't remember. It's gone. George Mueller put it this way up on the screen. He said, the simple reading of the word of God can become information that only passes through our minds just like water runs through a pipe. So true. In other words, there can be, there can be times when we're reading the Bible, and we're reading the Bible like it's a bunch of information. It's just some information. It's more information. And it's like, well, I'm, I, I don't see how this is like really changing my life right now. Donald Whitney, in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, says this up on the screen. He says, I've known people who were in as many as six Bible studies per week, and they grow only in knowledge and not in Christ-likeness because they were not applying what they were learning. Despite all of their Bible intake, their prayer life wasn't strong, they weren't influencing lost people with the gospel, and their family life was strained. He goes on to say this up on the screen if we will begin to discipline ourselves to determine at least one specific response to the text before walking away from it, we will much more rapidly grow in grace. Without this kind of application, we are not doers of God's word. In other words, it's not just about having a place and a time and a destination It's also trying to apply what we read. It's seeking to apply what we read. This is how we get God's word in here. This is how it changes our hearts and lives. It's by reading the Bible with a mind toward application. Application. And so, how do we do that? Well, here's one way. Up on the screen. It's called the, the Hear Journaling Method. And, and again, if this is something that you might be interested in, it's out on that table as well. So it'll be a big stack that looks like this. You could grab one and take that home. But the Hear Journaling Method, so that's an acronym for Highlight, Explain, Apply, Respond. So the idea here is that it's you, your Bible, in a journal. And, and so the, first it's H, it's, it's highlight. So, so let's say you grab one book of the Bible, let's say it's the Gospel of John and you're reading through the Gospel of John five to ten verses at a time. And then H, highlight, is whatever verse is kind of jump off the page to you, whatever stands out, to physically write it out in your journal. And why would we do that? Why would we write out Scripture in a journal? Here's why. Because oftentimes as we begin to write out Scripture, we see things that we didn't see when we just read it. And as we start to write it out, out, it's like, oh, wow, I didn't see that. We start circling things and underlining things and drawing arrows. John Piper says this, pens have eyes. So true. So true. That's why we write out scripture. Pens have eyes. So that's highlight. Just grabbing a few few verses that really stand out to you. Next is explain. So in our journal, we're writing out, here's what these verses mean. These verses mean this. And you write out, you explain what the verses mean. Well, maybe you're like, I don't know what the verses mean. That's why I wrote them down in the first place. Well, this is where a study Bible can come in so handy. And if you don't have a study Bible, we sell them out in the the bookstore. But, But a study Bible is so great because you've got the biblical text at the top, and then at the bottom, you have the explanation of what those verses mean. So that can be really, really helpful. So H is highlight. E is explain. Here's what this verse means. And then A is apply. This is where, after we've explained what the verses mean, then, then it's like, okay, so how, does this, how can I apply this to my life? Like, how do I apply this to, to me? And so let's say, let's say the verse is, is a, a text about loving your neighbor as yourself. So how do I apply that text? Well, it's like, okay, well, what neighbor should I love? Like, who can I, who can I love? Is it someone kind of in the household, someone over here, someone around? Like, who, who can I love? In what way could I love that person? What could that actually look like? When am I going to do that? So specific application is what we're looking for. So highlight, explain, and then apply. This is how I'm going to apply this to my life. And then respond as I'm praying and asking God to help me do this. So I write out the verse. I explain what it means. This is how I can apply it to my life. And now, God, would you help me, please, to do this? Help me to do this now. So that's the here journaling method. I would commend that to you. And and keep this in mind too. It's not about somehow doing this perfectly. It's about getting in the word. That's what it's about. It's about getting in the word and the word getting in us. Because this is what Jesus is calling us to do. To get the word in here. Amen? But he's calling us to do even more than that. Have a look now at verse 7. Verse 7. Jesus says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So, this is now a call to prayer. Jesus says, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Pray, pray for whatever you want and it will be done for you. So, there's the text that's been misapplied. What was he actually meaning by that? Was he meaning, like, if you need a new car, ask, and it will be there tomorrow, and it's going to be a big bow on it? It's not what he's talking about, right? What's the context of John chapter 15? The context is abiding and fruit. That's what he's talking about. So that's, that's the context. He's saying that if we will prioritize our relationship with him, and if we will prioritize time in his word, And then if we will ask him to produce fruit in our lives, he will for sure do it. That's the promise. That's what he's saying. He will do it his way, his timing, but he will do it. If we will prioritize our relationship with him, if we will prioritize spending time with him in his word, and if we will ask him to bear fruit in our lives, he will for sure do it. He will. That is an awesome promise. And why will he do this? Well, he tells us why in verse eight. Look at verse eight. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So Jesus here tells us our entire purpose. This is why you and I exist. We exist to glorify God by bearing fruit. That's our whole purpose. Just like like the purpose of a branch in a vineyard is to produce fruit for the one who owns the vineyard. Likewise, we exist to bear spiritual fruit for God and his glory. And prayer is essential for fruit. Prayer is essential for fruit. And so because prayer is so essential, let's ask ourselves again, over the last month, Over the last month, how much effort have I put into prayer up on the screen? How much effort have I put into prayer? What does my prayer life look like? Has it been like no effort? Has it been like maybe a little bit of effort, maybe around meals or something like that? Have I been putting a lot of effort into my prayer life? And what should prayer even look like? Well, there's no one uh, right way to pray but here's a, a great way to pray. This is the Acts Method. Maybe you've seen this before, but this is such a wonderful way to pray, beginning with this, adoration. Adoration. So just taking time to worship the Lord. Lord, I love you. You are awesome. You are so glorious. Your love is perfect. Your grace is perfect. Just taking time to adore the Lord. See, confess. So to confess all known sin. God, forgive me for not loving you as I should. Forgive me for not loving my neighbor as myself. Forgive me for that thing that happened yesterday. Confession. Every day, confessing our sin to the Lord. T, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your cross. Thank you so much for your spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the church. Thank you for running water. And then supplication. Supplication. This is where we're asking the Lord to move and to work and do great things, especially producing fruit in our lives. God, would you, would you produce fruit in my life, much fruit in my life? And again, it's not about somehow praying perfectly. It's about doing it. It's about praying. It's about seeking the Lord in prayer. And keep this in mind also. God time doesn't end when we close our Bibles. Because if we are getting the word in us, then we're also taking the word with us, are we not? And God time doesn't end when we end our prayer and we say amen. Because God is with us. And we can keep the conversation going. We can continue to speak to the Lord all day long. So God time, in some sense, is all the time. Because ultimately... This is what Jesus purchased for us at the cross. He purchased for us access to God. This is why God time is so special and important and so needed. This is why it must be our priority. Because Christ died to bring us to God. So that we might enjoy him now, today, and every day, and forever. And that's the good news that we celebrate right now as we turn to the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul writes this concerning the Lord's Supper. He writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so if you are here today and, and you uh, do not know the Lord Jesus as your, as your Savior, then as the elements come down the aisle, I would just ask you to, to allow them to pass by and, and please take time to, to, to witness the, the faith of those around you. But if you are here today and you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a branch in the vine, then as the elements come down the aisle, just, just take one, they, they split into two. One has the bread symbolizing the body of Jesus. One has the juice symbolizing the blood of Jesus. And once we have all been served, we will partake of the Lord's Supper together. But now is the time to seek the Lord, individually where we're at. Now is the time to confess sin. Now is the time to to worship him and to remember his suffering on that cross for your sake. So at this time, I'd like to invite the communion servers to please come forward. And as they do that, let's pray together. So, Father, we thank you so much for loving the world and sending your Son. And here we are, recipients of such love, recipients of such mercy, recipients of such grace. All we deserve is the wrath of God because of our sin, but what have we right now? We have been given the presence of God Himself, we have been forgiven for all of our sins. The righteousness of Jesus has been credited to our account, so now we can approach the throne of God knowing we are fully accepted, loved beyond all measure. And we remember right now the sacrifice, we remember the cost. And so, as each one of us meets with you now, please lead us in Jesus' name. Amen.